it was the last practice run of the day, and uh, I ended up in the tire wall. So going into like like this in the tire wall, so I got thrown up and sp uh, I did a 360 in there with the whole go kart. And uh, so someone said from this side that he was seeing me that I was I had cramped into the steering wheel. Yeah. And my the whole body was lifted off from the seat, and I just landed back in the seat as the go kart landed on the ground. This episode of the Bluemex podcast is brought to you by Nava Wilson LLP. Nava Wilson LLP provides services in real estate, corporate law, and litigation, and is committed to increasing access to and awareness of the justice system. Nava Wilson is also the legal advisor for YSpace, York University's incubator, and The Hub, the University of Toronto Scarborough campus's incubator. They are willing to provide up to $5,000 worth of services to a select few startups in Toronto. If you're a startup looking for access to legal services, contact us at the link below to find out more. Okay, and we're up. Perfect. Okay, so Robert, thank you for coming in. Um, you're definitely one of the most interesting students that came out of the universities of Toronto's uh, The Hub. Yeah. Um, one of the main reasons why I wanted to come on is talk about the litany of experiences you've had. So you're a pretty much a race car driver, right? That yeah. built his own race car driver, yeah. a race car, yeah. and now you're also starting a company. Yeah, right? yeah that's true. So let's digest that a little bit. Um, let's talk about your driving history. Um, how did you end up into race, racing cars? Uh, so that started about nine, nine or ten years ago. Um, Red Bull was organizing an amateur competition back in Latvia, where I'm from. So nine or ten years ago, sorry, how, how old are you? So right now I'm 24. That was when I was 15, I think. When you're 15? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Latvia let you drive when you're 15 and race cars too? Uh, well, as I said, so there was an amateur go-kart competition. Amateur, okay. Yeah. Uh, Red Bull was organizing it and I saw an ad on internet, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, the registration fee was essentially buy a four-pack of Red Bull. And I said, oh, that's an easy registration fee. Mm -hmm. uh, I asked my dad if he can take me to the track where the race was happening. Uh, uh, we went there, I did my laps, and I think that was my only fourth, fourth or third time I was in a go-kart. And it was pretty good, and my dad said, uh, go and ask that man like, for some tips. And that man was, uh, his, I would say, the fastest man in Latvia. I would say one of the most famous and best racing car drivers in Latvia and all the region. Okay. And uh, he was the one of the organizers and also was the main... Uh, uh, Sorry, what's Marshall what's his name? Harald Schregelmo. Okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, so uh, I went up to him and asked some tips, and he said, hey, like, if you want more tips, just come to the, my, my track, and I'll give you some tips. And so next week on a Tuesday, I went there, and he gave me some tips, and uh, at the end of the summer, I, I said, hey, so I thought that, that I heard that there's another like an amateur go-kart league. Well, do you think I should sign up for it? And he said, hey, don't you want to try the real sports go-kart? And I said, okay, why not? And uh, after one session, he said that uh, he's, next year he's making a racing team. And uh, he asked me if I want to join. Okay. And one month later, I was already sitting in my own sports cart and uh, having my first practices. And uh, that's how I got introduced to racing. Nice, man. And from then, you fell in love with the, the sport? Oh, yeah. It's, it's an addiction. It's, it's an absolute addiction. And, 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 and I fell in love with the sport. And 
I've met uh, a lot of people through the sport, and, 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 and it has given me a lot of opportunities and also great, great life experiences. Definitely. So in, in what sense? Like, uh, what what'd you get out of it the most? Uh, adrenaline. <laughs> <laughs> adrenaline would be the one thing, uh, but... Uh, uh, one person that I met through racing also is uh, Arturs, Arturs Pompurs, and uh, he has helped me out a lot too uh, with uh, different advice, and he has uh, invited me joining different projects too along the way, and uh, where I've gained a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. So racing has definitely connect- connected me to a lot of different people, and uh, also just being in that environment, and like if I wouldn't have been in the racing team, I wouldn't have joined the UFT's racing team. Uh, where uh, I was part of the business team, where we were uh, making all the promotional materials, uh, trying to get new sponsors, communicating with sponsors. Uh. So from last year, from racing there, you came into university, you came to UFT, yeah. UTSC, and uh, you decided you want to pursue racing more to yeah. the university. Yeah, no, so uh, actually when I, when I uh, found out I was coming to UFT, I thought that, okay, I don't want to leave my racing back home, I want to take it with me. Okay. And I was looking for uh, ways how I could pursue it. And then I found out about that uh, there is this uh, Society of Automotive Engineers, a huge global organization. And uh, they're organizing what's called Formula Student Competition. Uh, There are around 900 teams in the world who are doing that. And every team is building and designing a brand new Formula type race car every single year. So I, I thought, well, I should try and join them. Okay, okay. And UFT already has something that going on? Yeah, you have had that. Like, uh, I think uh, the team, we just celebrated 18 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And the University of Toronto at Scarborough, the Scarborough campus was part of that as well? Uh, so theoretically, the whole UFT, uh, and it could be part of it, any student from Mississauga or Scarborough campus, but uh, most of the students on there are from downtown campus. From downtown campus? Yeah. Um, and you're one of the few from Scarborough? Region. Yes, 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 Perfect. yes. So how was that like? You found them and you decided you want to get part of the team? Yeah, uh, I just uh, emailed them and they said they have a new members meeting in September, late September. Uh, I went to the meeting. Uh, at that point, I met the, the team leaders. Uh, they said, come come to the shop, help us out. Uh, so they gave me some, some smaller tasks in the beginning, like hands-on helping participate in building the car. Uh, then, uh, Does this uh, the competition have a website or anything, or you have to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We do Let's have a website. That what, what's it called? Uh, I think it's uh, fsaeutoronto.ca. fsaeutoronto.ca. Yeah, is that it? Yeah, that's that. Yeah, because I mean, I went to, I went to school here and never. Thought about racing at university. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is the kind of type of car you guys have build your own vehicle. Yeah. Every year, every year the car is designed and built from scratch. Perfect. And what was your process in this? Like, what did you do? Uh, so first year, all the first years usually we do the grunt work. Yeah. All the smaller tasks uh, to get familiar with the tools and with the tasks and how the team team is running. Uh, engineering students after first year they're given like bigger tasks uh, of designing parts I wasn't an engineering student so I didn't really participate in a the design work Uh, I was giving some suggestions that I thought that could be changed over the years Uh, so I was still actively participating in manufacturing different parts Uh, for example weighing up the carbon fiber wings or manufacturing some tubes for the frame or 
Whatever needed to be done, I was there. And uh, when the car was ready, uh, I participated actively in the testing process, which is a really important part of uh, being uh, competitive in racing. Because unless you don't have that testing in, then uh, you show up to the race unprepared. It doesn't matter if your car finishes or not. Mm -hmm. Cool. So you got involved and in, you started racing within the first, first year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So you, you give me some pictures here. That's you? Yeah, that's me. I think <laughs> uh, that is 2017, 2017 summer. We were in Germany. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's the 2017 car in Germany. So this is a worldwide yeah. university competition, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, people go, is it every, different locations every year? or? Uh, so there's uh, competitions happening at the same location every year in different parts of the world. There's in Australia, Japan, uh, there's uh, two races in USA. Uh, I think there's one in South America too. Uh, there's a lot of races in Europe. So like any university can go to any of those races. So the university, do they, do they, do they cover the costs for all that? Uh, so university sponsors that, uh, mainly engineering department, the alumni association, uh, but uh, a lot of a lot of sponsors are outs outside from the school. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. And you told me you were part of that, right? You were the one yep. uh, who was part of the business side of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chasing sponsors, chasing them to yeah. come help with it, yeah. help us yeah. out. Like, what was that journey like? Was it easy? Was it? A challenge there? Um, it was challenging, of course, uh, but uh, usually you find people who are also passionate about racing or they were in engineering in university and they thought, oh wow, if we would have uh, this in our time, then it would have been so cool. And so they uh, associate with the idea. So those are the people who are more uh, invested in, in sponsoring us. Mm -hmm. uh, but there is definitely a lot of good companies and good people out there who are supporting us. And, 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 and although, it, it's not that they, they do get exposure, but end of the day, they do it because they like what we're doing and they support it. Yeah, definitely. So you're, you told me you're the one who got MBNA um, and no. TD on, on board? Or they're no, already... no, no. So that's a UFT's program. It's a, UFT's. Pillar, it's a pillar program. Uh, so I think there's MBNA, TD, and uh, Sunway Financial. Okay. And those three big companies support different University of Toronto clubs or projects. And the uh, University of Toronto racing team is one of the teams. Uh, I think we've been one of the longest teams that's been supported by that project and every year. So uh, two years I par participate in writing the report that we need to submit to MBNA and like in order to apply for the sponsorship for the next year too. Okay, yeah. It's a rigorous process to go through all that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's pretty cool. So you guys also had to build this car, right, from scratch? Yes. Um, so what is the engineering acumen needed? Like, were you part of that at all? Uh, yes, I, well, I did participate, not in the design process, but we in the meetings and everything. So uh, inputs that should be changed from the last year car, what would be better. Uh, so it's, uh, I would say, so right now it is June. Uh, the design process for the next year's 2019-2020 season car has already begun. Uh, the manufacturing hopefully will start at probably September, October. Yep. And uh, the finished car should be... Uh, rolling around March. Awesome. So, yeah. So this is uh, you driving? This is different vehicles? Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is a UFT sponsored drive, right? Yes, uh, yes. For this the is UFT's vehicle. For the competition, uh, the worldwide competition. Yeah. We also race on the side and other so competitions. So this was the formula that, so I was, uh, so after my first season, the team owner, Harald Schwegemil, so he said that the best person uh, who had the best results in the team will have a, essentially sponsored uh, practice day with a Formula Master car. Yeah. 
And that picture is from that day. And so me and another, uh, my teammate, so uh, that was our first go-kart season. And both of us were very competitive. And so both of us in the end got awarded that drive. And, 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 and that, was, uh, that was the best reward. And that was like, another drive for me to push push further and to be a better so driver. So for the reward for winning a go-kart race was uh, for the like not even like just being a really progressive driver and then winning and being good. And not reward driving this. Yes, yes, yes. Like he, so what is this and why is it different from other vehicles? Uh, so that's a Formula car. Is it Formula One car? Uh, no, 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 no. That's form it was Formula Master. Okay. Uh, I don't I'll, I'll tell you honestly I won't remember perfectly the specs of it but it was really fast. Uh it was terrifying in the beginning because yeah. at that point that was definitely the fastest uh vehicle I've ever driven and uh we arrived at the track and it was raining and uh so the first time we had to drive it would be in the rain and that was nice. that added even more to the pressure. So uh but uh, we handled it pretty well and then So how do you deal with it when you're driving a vehicle this fast and that's that that light right in the rain how does it handle differently? Uh, so in rain, so these cars they they don't have traction control no, right. or <laughs> ABS or nothing. So yeah, I did spin around in the beginning, and then and then I ended my session also spinning around and ended up in grass because, uh, as I said, it's, def- it's a different animal from anything like from a street car or a go kart. So, uh, but that that experience was just absolutely phenomenal. Well, this is normally what you drive. Yeah, like that go-karts? was that's what that's what I started in. That was the go kart. Uh, so, so how, is there, how are these different from like, the regular go karts that you can go? So the regular go karts that you go to these different racing halls are usually they were bigger, they're bulkier, they're heavier, and they're, mm-hmm. the engines slower. So uh, these ones are running two-stroke engines, which are super small, super light, compact, and they're high output power and. So go-kart like this, it's like a single-gear go-kart, but it goes up to 120 kilometers an hour. And uh, it, together with me, it weighs, what, like 130-something, 140 kilos? Yeah. Which is nothing. Yeah. And, uh, like, that's the, like, every, every, every driver that does any type of racing goes back to go-karting. So it's like, that's the most, that's the purest racing there is. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's so much fun and, and, and so much, uh, there's so much thrill in that. And it's, uh, Definitely. How fast do these go? Uh, so these one go around 120 kilometers an hour. 120 kilometers an hour, that low to the ground. Yeah. With no real protection. That no. that's. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, yeah, Did you ever get injured or anything? Like. Uh, no, I, no, I didn't get injured. Uh, like I got uh, into one smaller crash. It was actually in the same track. I, I might even say that that was the same race weekend when this picture was taken. It was the last practice run of the day, and uh, I ended up in the tire wall. So going into like like this in the tire wall, so I got thrown up and sp- uh, I did the 360 in there with the whole go kart, and uh, so someone said from this side that he was seeing me that I was I had cramped into the steering wheel, yeah, and my the whole body was lifted off from the seat, and I just landed back in the seat as the go kart landed on the ground. Jeez. So uh, it, I, it was it was it was all good. I, I didn't get injured or nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the kart was uh, it wasn't. Uh, Playing top really badly, but uh, they did a lot of fixing needed to be done for the n- next day. Yeah, you were telling me like this is like almost a full body workout controlling these things, right? Because of the G forces you're pulling, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Your body needs to act as essentially an extension of the car too. So like, it's how you drive, how you how how you're sitting in it, and so it's 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 a lot of fun and it's it's technical too. <laughs> it's a great picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this is uh, a different kind of vehicle. This is different, yeah. It's uh, this. These cars are actually made in uh, 
USA and North Carolina, I think. Oh, you told me this is a standard racing vehicle? like a- Yeah, yeah. So they have, like, two different body styles, like the coupe and the uh, sedan. This is the sedan. There's also the coupe, coupe uh, body style. Uh, they're running a four-cylinder uh, Yamaha engine, okay. like from a motorcycle. Okay. Uh, it's carbureted. Uh, it's a solid axle in the rear. There's no differential. It's also it's a it's a fun car. It's a fun car. It is also really fast and, and uh, a sequential gearbox and everything. And it's. I mean, this is a little funky looking. So it's a, it's a little funky looking. They're called the Legends car. Okay. So in North America, they're mainly ra- raced around ovals, uh, but uh, so the races in. Like our part of uh, Europe, there on the uh, circuit tracks. Yeah, this is like a like an old school like yeah. Ford or like yeah, a, you yeah, know, like yeah, yeah. But it's like the like the bodywork is fiberglass and it's I don't know, it's pretty pretty new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. So yeah. it's it's made for racing. Yeah, and it's it, just literally made for racing. It's called Legends Cars Racing Series. Yeah. For like, is it a beginner series no, or it's like, a, it's not, not? I would say it's a beginner. It's like anyone can race in it. Like like as, as soon as you get a racing license, you can. If you want, if you have the funds or the means or the way how to ac- get access to that car, then you can do it. How much did it really cost? Do you know? Uh, I wouldn't know, to be honest. Yeah. I wouldn't know how much is a new one, yeah. You drive them, man. Eh? Yeah. yeah. So this is a video you shared with us. Yeah. Is you driving video. one of those vehicles? Yeah, Legends? that's that vehicle from that, the same race. Yeah. <laughs> That was after a red flag was put out, and then, and then, and then there was a restart. Yeah. So you tell me, this is the one that's a lot of G-force controls. Pardon? There's a lot of G-force behind this. This is the uh, one. This that... one, I would, I wouldn't say that there's that a lot. Uh, again. Is it because it, you're in a closed body or? No, no, no. It's like I would say it's just like it's uh, again technical driving because again there's no technical ads, right? No ABS, no traction control, so. I did struggle in the beginning of driving this car in that, that track. Uh, and, 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 and so You're telling me it's a challenging track, right? It's a challenging track. This was in uh, Germany? No, it's in Latvia. Latvia? Latvia. Okay. This is in Latvia. And then, and, 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 like, uh, the first time I drove on that track was a day before this video was made. <laughs> so <laughs> it was maybe a foolish decision for me to decide to jump into the track that I had never driven on before, but it was okay. It ended up fine. Not, not, nothing bad happened in the end. Uh, the result wasn't that good, but at the end of the day, I, I had fun. I learned the track a bit better, and then, and, 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 and again, had a great, had a great time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So that's a lot of torque behind that engine, I'm guessing. Uh, there is a decent amount of torque in that engine, yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's, it, it is geared a bit differently. Yeah, you're telling me this, this track was challenging because uh, it's right next to a forest, right? Uh, it's right in the forest. Uh, there's not a lot of runoff area. And, 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 and so, as you can see, like, the trees are right there. So it's uh, not forgiving on mistakes that you make. Yeah. So if you make a mistake, like if, if you're unlucky, then you're going to probably end up in, uh, in a wall or something. Yeah. So, uh, but it's, uh, it is overall. Yeah, I mean, the racing part of you is really cool because, I mean, not a lot of people have that kind of background. Yeah. Right. Um, does that give you a higher risk tolerance, you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Was, maybe, maybe, yeah. Because um, that's the one thing, if, if you think about, uh, 
that you're gonna get hurt or, or, or what I'm gonna do if I crash, then like, it's you're not you're not you're gonna be constantly thinking about that, and it's gonna be limiting how how you do it, how how well you perform. Um, I did struggle like sometimes with uh, when I was driving in some races that oh I made a mistake and I was holding on to that mistake. Yep, and uh, that affected how I drove with the further laps or even the whole race. And uh, you need to learn how to like essentially get rid of that feeling. And I would say that I'm trying to keep that thought for the, all other parts of my life. Because uh, if you make a mistake, okay, you did it, move on. Like, don't think about it. If you linger on, when yeah. linger on it, then uh, it's going to affect everything that you do further, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see the progression from this to entrepreneurship, which you're trying, which we're breaking into now. Um, the idea of risk tolerance and exactly like that, learning from mistakes and being able to move on. Um, those lesson, lessons uh, could definitely translate into def, definitely into the innovation economy. So yeah, you're now in the hub. Um, yeah. Past three months now, you started three months ago, I think. Around, uh, I think three months are coming up right now. About yeah. three months, right? And you came in here with express concern to create like a photography tool. Uh, in a way, in a way, yeah. yeah platform. Platform. That's yeah. that's a better accurate word. Yeah. Um, so, what got you from cars and driving to photography? Um, I don't know to be honest. So, I kind of always like taking pictures, and and then, so it was a couple years ago. My dad uh, gave me his old camera, his old DSLR. Uh, I think it was six hundred D or something. Okay. Uh, I took the camera. I weren't. Like I read about it, actually read an instruction about it, because you can learn a lot, a lot of things from instruction too. <laughs> but uh, I just took the camera, started walking around, taking pictures, and taking more pictures and more pictures. And I thought, oh, I kind of like this. And I got a better camera, and started taking more pictures. Went to some races, took the pictures of the race cars, um, and then so it's just naturally, or it's in a way, it's a way for me to just relax. I would say, just take pictures cityscapes or uh, whenever I'm outside the city in a park or on a trip somewhere, like take a picture of like an animal I see or nature, some really nice landscape. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it's a, also a way for me to relax. And uh, when I was thinking about it, oh, it would be pretty cool to earn money with this or how to sell pictures. And then I thought about a way, how do actually these photographers, how do, how do they start like pulling themselves out? How do they start earning money? And that's how I uh, came up with the idea of like needing that that kind of platform. So your platform is called Snapin Pro. Yeah. Um, so what is Snapin Pro? What does it do, and why are you doing it? So uh, essentially, it's a platform. You can look at it from two sides. From one side, I uh, solve a problem of a person who is looking for a photography service or videography service. Uh, Whenever you, the only tool right now you use it, or two tools essentially is from mouth to mouth. Like someone tells you about someone who did a good job or you heard that he's available for whatever gig you need to be, you need to have. Or the other one is you Google, you, you need to use Google and then you have options of these different uh, photo or video services mm -hmm. and uh, it's uh, time consuming and, 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 and so you don't know really what are the reviews of those people that you find there. And so I thought if there would be one platform where you would go on, you can find, compare, book the professional you need in a very time-saving manner, it would be very useful. And from the other side, from the professional side, uh, it would be easy for him because he can use it as a tool to manage his professional, essentially, schedule, his calendar, and everything. And also, 
a way for him to reach new target new targeted markets that he couldn't reach before because uh, the people that I've interviewed they say uh, the biggest way of them getting new clients is from mouth to mouth but if they want to go to a new region it's really hard because no one knows them there or they haven't had any jobs there and so this would be also so the good. main the main aspect of this is photographers or amateur photographers um, link onto this platform yep. right and I'm uh, a client will put up a request. I think you yeah. used the example of Coca-Cola, right? Yeah. Coca-Cola or an agency representing Coca-Cola wants to represent Coca-Cola, puts up a request like, hey, can you take a picture of a Coke at a beach yeah. or by a river yeah. or et cetera? You yeah. put up a request, like, this is, what, this is the kind of picture yeah. we want. Um, just pictures and video too. So pictures and video. So, I th- uh, so that's a thing like we need to decide how we're going to start it up in the beginning. Yeah. And yeah, that's one option, whether... If you don't want to hire the professional for for a job, you can put out a job open job board if you, that you want. Like kind of like a freelancer community. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then, then like in the beginning, it started as this like kind of a job board, and now it has grown into an idea of like an actual photo community for these professionals, where they can come out, come together and then and then share different ideas and be at this one place for them. Perfect. And have you reached out to like uh, any uh, agencies that? require these kind of services or what's their feedback been? Uh, so no, so I only talk to photographers right now. Yep. I haven't talked to any agencies or, or so because the agency ID came came in again a bit later. Mm-hmm. So uh, I haven't haven't done haven't done that work yet. But uh, from from the professionals I've talked to, they seem interested in having a service like that where they can actively look for a new new. So new who customers. pays here? Uh, does the agency pay for the work or? We pay the platform. I mean, so it would be a subscription-based service for the professionals because, uh, for one thing, it's essentially like a targeted ad for them, and two, like uh, we're gonna try. I'm gonna try and bring in this added value to the service that uh, that will, they will see that that it will be not not only as like a job board but uh, as a membership. Yeah. And with membership comes different benefits, and so. Cool. So you're probably one of the earliest companies we've talked to because you're still in ideation, conceptualization yeah, yeah, phase. Yeah. Um, you can't, you can't, you actually won our first uh, pitch competition we had, yeah. right? Which is great. <laughs> um, which is surprising since you're one of the newest companies, right, in the hub as well that we've been working with. Um, what's your take been on conceptualizing this project and get it up and running? Um, I mean, did you see the vision first and uh, be like, okay, this is what we need to build? Or have you been more systematically being like, okay, it's a problem I've seen. How do we how do we uh, systematically solve it? Um, so it all started with an idea that like I saw the problem and then I thought about oh, how 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 could you go around it? How could you solve it? And so I put it on paper and thought about it and wrote some different solutions. And uh, I mentioned previously I met the person Arthur's. I talked with him. I, I described him with the idea and then and, and he told me his opinions on that and. So I just like constantly recycled that, and whenever I was thinking about it, I thought, oh, I could do this, and mm-hmm. I, or I could do this, and so the idea just grew and grew, grew together. And so uh, started with the problem first. You, yeah. you notice the problem first. Yeah, like, it was started with the, this? Yeah. exactly. If you start with a problem and you think about what could be the solutions, or you try and research, and if there is an maybe there is a service like that. Yeah. And when you do this research, you th- see these different services, and you think, well. I, why they do this in this way? Why don't they do it in this way? Or they offer that, but they don't offer that. And so you just keep combi- combining these ideas. And like at the end of the day, like I'm still like thinking about different stuff that at the end of the day that I'd like to add to this service. 
But uh, the one thing that uh, you need to understand is that you need to start with the basic package, right? The small thing, and then, then, then you can expand. No, definitely. So that's, that's interesting. So you experience this problem first, or you, you feel the pain of this problem? No, I like, just, I didn't, I, I, I wouldn't say that I experienced it. I was just thinking about that there is a problem like that. And when so I, how do you qualify, or are you still quantifying the limit of that pain, right? How much, how much do people experience this? Um, is an issue, right? Mm -hmm. And how much are they willing to pay for it? It correlates, right? Yeah, yeah. No, so uh, the interesting thing is whenever I'm talking about uh, making about this project, someone always says, oh, wow, I know a photographer, and he says like, it's hard for him to find new clients because, again, the biggest issue is that uh, getting new, these new clients is uh, getting yourself out there. Mm. And if you don't have this client base, you can't get your, your work out there. And it's like a never-ending circle, right? If you don't have clients, you can't acquire new clients. So uh, like this would be a good starting way, definitely for a lot of amateurs, how to put their work out, uh, showcase their work, and uh, put that they're available too, that they're, like, there are people like this in these different regions, or whether it's in a different city region or completely different, for example, Ottawa, not Toronto, and uh, they're available for maybe better pricing than established professionals, but sometimes they even they, they can deliver, deliver a better quality work. Awesome, um, that's, that's great. So, what's next for you guys? Like, um, you're conceptualize this. You talk to a few people in the in the industry. Yeah. Trying to build this out. What's in so, next step is definitely starting development work, um, which is uh, kind of a struggle a bit right now. Yeah. Finding the right developer, uh, but. Uh, I think at the end of the day, I'll, I'll solve that problem too. <laughs> but uh, so that's definitely the next step. And uh, also after starting development work is either acquiring funding for development work or acquiring del developer to have some good... So that's uh, the catch, right? The catch too. you It's like um, people with capital want to see an MVP, a product in the marketplace. Yeah. But if you, have, if you need a product in the marketplace and you don't already have a development team... Yeah. Right, it's almost, it's yeah. a back and forth, and it's a common struggle that many people who want to break into like the technology space who yeah. are not programmers themselves yeah. run into. Yeah, yeah. that's a great idea, and technology can solve it. But how do I even get it built? Exactly, exactly. Right? Um, yeah, any thoughts on how you can solve that? So uh, uh, I've been talking to one of my friends. He's a programmer. Uh, we'll see what 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 happens with that. Uh, I think I have a I would have a team. Back, back in Latvia that to, are ready to develop it if I would have the funds. So I have these different options. And, and, and so a good, a good solution definitely would be acquiring some funding. Yeah. But as you said, I need an MVP. So there's a new model developing. Uh, I've worked with a few uh, dev companies that, um, that have employed this. Yeah. And we employ it already strategically. Mm -hmm. Is that, I mean, this is exactly what it is, right? You need capital to build a product. Mm -hmm. But to build a product, you need capital. Yeah. Right? Um, there's a lot of dev shops. So in Toronto, in the marketplace that is Toronto, yeah. Right, uh, programmers are really hard to come by, and even uh, like very senior startups or even like high-end companies, Fortune 500 companies, have this problem where developers sometimes cut contracts early. They have one-year contract, whatever. They'll cut seven months early, yeah. and they decide, you know what? Uh, yeah, money's great, but I can probably build something myself. Yeah. I can join the startup and grow better, right? Yeah. And they leave, and, they, and because it's such a demand for them in oh, the marketplace, definitely, definitely. they don't stick around. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we generally see this a lot. So there's a lot of dev shops or even startups. What they do is two ways, right? So there's dev companies that build uh, that build products, mm -hmm. and they work with like high-end companies that either pay them consistently or they have consistent work. 
and they hedge their bets, right? They'll pick a few startups a few years, and just like a capital company, a venture cap VC company, uh-huh. or a, or a, um, or a part equity fund would like you know buy a company or invest in a company, they'll go to these startups and be like, hey, you have a great concept, great model. It seems like you have a great channel to build, uh-huh. uh, to uh, push this out if it's built. Uh-huh. So we will co-invest with you. Right, uh-huh. so they'll take either equity or option stock, uh-huh. and uh, they'll co-invest. So just like a venture a venture capitalist or investor yeah, would, yeah. you know, trade capital for for uh, equity in, in yeah. their business, these guys will transfer uh, sweat labor, yeah. right, in turn for that equity, yeah. and together they build it out with you, right. So they be the partner that builds the uh, the, prop, the, pro, the 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 product. Uh, yeah. You'd be the salesperson to go and champion it yeah. and get the users and yeah. get it up and yeah. running. And then when you do get the capital raise at a high level, yeah. right, they exit. Yeah. Um, so it's profitable for the dev companies yeah. and it's profitable for you guys. Yeah. Right? Uh, uh, that's definitely a good solution and, 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 and that would be definitely a really an, an easy way out, to say. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that would be really good. But uh, there's also other, other different challenges that... For example, uh, like I'm from Latvia right now, and uh, so I was looking into what, what needs to be done to register the company and everything, and, and, and I realized that, oh, that actually is also a problem for me, because uh, I, I realized that I need at least one Canadian national on board on registering. Gotcha. Yeah, so. If you want to register here. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, every, like every week, you'll know, find these different new challenges, right? The surprise is the problem I've been talking about because we have a lot of people, especially the, so UTSC is one of the most um, has the highest population of, of foreign students. Yeah, city of Toronto, of course, it's a huge number of immigrants exactly. coming in. Yeah, um, and what are the what are the solutions here for that? I would imagine there'd be better solutions in place. May, uh, so maybe there are. So uh, I was just looking through the government website, and then so they said you can register as an international. Your uh, your limited. Uh, Partnership or uh, limited company, mm-hmm. but uh, you need at least 25% uh, uh, Canadians on the board. So that's that's the solution right now. Uh, so on the board, so not necessarily yeah, not necessarily um, a employee, but yeah. uh, board of advisors. Just uh, on the founding board. On the founding board. Yeah. So do they have to hold equity? Uh, so that was that that was that was written there. So yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure. So 25 percent of the company have to by, by, be owned by a yeah. Canadian or yeah. a series of yeah. Canadians. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So yeah, uh, it's definitely a subject that I should uh, and everyone should, I guess, research a bit more because yeah. uh, I encountered I encountered that issue three days ago. Uh, and then, and then, so we'll we'll see how that goes. But would there be an issue with you registering in Lafia and operating here? So that. I was th- I was thinking about that. We were talking with uh, Gray, who's the supervisor here at yeah. the hub. And so the thing is, if I would do that, then uh, I would definitely have more problems of uh, getting funding from, for example, funds here. Because uh, if the company is registered there, then like, they would be interested that the money still stays here, right? If the money is flowing over the- overseas to Europe, then like, what's the point, right? Yeah. So uh, I definitely understand that, that that it would raise issues, but uh, I think it'll be just more interesting and even a bit more challenging to do it here. So why not try and do it here? No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's really interesting problem to uh, to see because um, we don't really deal with a lot. I haven't, at least myself, dealt with a lot of like uh, people who have immigrated here. Yeah, we're still in the process of, be, of being a naturalized citizen, becoming a naturalized citizen, um, wanting to start a company or a yeah. business. 
Uh, have you talked to anyone who has uh, challenged this before? No. Have this challenge before? No, no. Because it's hard to find. Right? It is, it is, it is. Yeah, and the hub, most like it's interesting. Uh, at the way the hub, there are so many different people from different nationalities coming in here, but none of them had this issue because they have uh, Canadian citizenship, right? Yep. Uh, so there definitely have been people who have who have done this, who have gone through this, but uh, I haven't had uh, any contact with them yet. So we'll see how that goes forward. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so you're right now in the, in the, in the, trying to figure that part out, yep. and you're trying to figure out how to get the MVP yep. built out. Yep. So quite a lot of sta- st- pretty much stuck in that beginner stage. Yeah. Of trying to launch your. Uh, it's. I would say yeah. It's. Um, I'm. I wouldn't say that it's stuck because uh, either way, every week I see some progress. Some progress done in whatever research I'm doing or getting getting the numbers that I need for the market analysis or or anything, it's just uh, there are these couple big, bigger steps that I'm trying to plan for and then, and, 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 like, overcome them, right? Yep. So, yeah. Yep. But uh, those two are, uh, I would say, even the registering process, I'll, I think I'll figure out the solution for that in a week or so. Or, uh, but uh, the development process will, might take a bit longer time, but I know that uh, I will overcome that too. Yeah. No, of course. These are the challenges put forward that as you solved um, whenever you want to launch anything new, right? Um, but it's unfortunate that that's an extra hurdle that needs to be done, right? What, what, what would you prefer? I mean, it's already frustrating enough to launch something new. Yeah. Right? When there's a legal or regulation put in front of you, that's super frustrating. Yeah. Right? Um, like, what would you prefer as someone who wants to build here? Because I would imagine there's a lot of people who want to come to Toronto and build this, mm-hmm. right? It's funny, I was actually talking to a potential sponsor for the podcast. It's uh, called Bright Navigation. Mm-hmm. And they're moving towards more um, from, from, like, uh, from like, uh, like more manufacturing labor, mm-hmm. bringing a lot of labor from across the, uh, from the countries here, yeah. to like tech labor. Yeah. There's a lot of tech talent moving here, yeah. um, especially in the Valley, Right from yeah. the, from the states, yeah. uh, taking advantage of the dollar value. Right, we're thirty cents on the dollar here. Yeah. Sorry, seventy cents on the dollar here yeah, yeah. to the U.S. dollar. And a lot of these companies are moving here, and they're bringing. They want to bring their uh, tech workers and, and people here. Um, so there should be some better mechanisms uh, for these like more um, non-naturalized citizens to create this. Right. So I would say when you come here to work uh, in a company that's established here, I wouldn't say that's that's a problem because Canada is a very open country mm-hmm. and. Uh, as far as I know, it's very open to skilled labor and tech, tech, tech labor especially. And, and, and I think that's why Toronto was also in short was for Amazon headquarters, yep. right? Because they see that Toronto is uh, it's uh, it is a tech city, I would say in a, in a way. Uh, but oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but uh, where, where the struggles are starting is when you're trying to start your own partnership. And the thing is. Uh, if I would have a team, right now I'm working alone. If I would have a team, I wouldn't have a problem because part of that team, there's def- there would definitely be some Canadian there. And yeah. It wouldn't be a problem at all. Why? So the next stage is for you to recruit. Exactly. I would say like that's that's uh, that's another another step I need to do. I need to gather my own team because uh, I understand at some point uh, I won't be able to do everything on my own uh, if I want to do anything else at all. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't think... It's it's it is a problem, but it's not a major problem. It's uh, I would say like if 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 I would want to start some like a new startup somewhere besides home, like this would be definitely one of the places. Um, just because. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that. So 
What's a, you've been in, you traveled around across doing a lot of racing. Yeah. You lived in Latvia, you lived in, uh, experienced a European environment, right? What do you feel is the difference here between that and the rest of the world when it comes to startups and innovation and building businesses? So one of the things I would say that uh, Latvia is a small country. We're, we're definitely way smaller market. Uh, we're opening up to new businesses, new ideas, and like there, there's a lot of tech companies that have come, come from Latvia too. Yeah. But uh, so I would say the biggest thing is that the access to a different amount of funding here is way bigger. Yeah. Uh, there is uh, definitely. So let's bring up Latvia. Yeah. Um, it's Latvia, right? Yeah, Latvia. L A T V I A. Yeah. V I A? V I A. V I A. V I A, yeah. There we go. So, oh, two million people. Yeah. So we're, our population is smaller than. Toronto. <laughs> Jeez. Yep. Oh, right next to Estonia. Right next to Estonia. So Estonia, there's a lot of like blockchain work, work going oh, on. Estonia is the is the blockchain uh, capital right now, right? It's the tech capital. Yeah. yeah. Of Europe, is it? Um, of the region, I would say definitely. Of the of the Western European region, like uh, the Eastern East North, Northeast Europe, definitely. And and, and and sorry, Eastern, yeah. Yeah. So, no. So the thing is, uh, there's not. That many fund there's EU funding available for a lot of companies. There's definitely a lot of uh, support or uh, relief from government, whether it's through taxes or subsidies or whatever. But uh, you can definitely see that here in Canada, there's a lot of lot more private funding involved. Yeah, it's there's a lot more lot more funds. Yeah. Uh, well, I haven't been in Latvia now for the past like actively or for f- past four or five years now. So the like the environment have, might, might have changed then. I know it has changed too, so I'm, I'm not the most up-to-date person to talk about the situation right now. No, absolutely. But uh, when I left, I can definitely see that there's, uh, it would be definitely more easy to start like a tech company or, like, uh, or whatever kind of a startup here. So do you mean because of resources, Just talent? Resources, resources, and, 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 and Latvia helps a lot of talented people. Uh, yeah, we have we've been affected by also a lot of immigration. Uh, a lot of people have uh, left Latvia to UK or uh, Western so Europe. outflow of talent. A lot of yeah, exactly. A lot of young people, but uh, so but that, that was one of my goals too, like to start a company here, like establish myself, and then go back to Latvia, where I can bring the knowledge that I've gained here in Canada and North America, and go back to Latvia and. Initiate some change, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give back and build it, help build the region. Exactly, exactly, Absolutely. exactly. And 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 and, and so, Latvia is still a technical, technical, technical place. And and then so, uh, we had a company uh, like a social social media, yeah, like uh, essentially it was called Drag Game, which okay. means friends. Uh, they they launched in the early two thousands. I would say even before Facebook, and it was the Latvia social media where everyone in Latvia, <laughs> the younger part of Latvia, definitely yeah. was on. And uh, so, yeah, now no, the people who started that, they have a good uh, on-demand, like a printing service for different, like, mugs, T-shirts, and everything in, in California. And mm-hmm. They're su- successful there. And there's also one company, I think, you definitely might, might have heard it, it was called, uh, it was a drone. It was action sports following drone that follows you. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so that, like, also that came from Latvia. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of different cool tech companies that are coming out. Uh, and uh, but I would say that 
the funding aspect alone is definitely would be easier to. And that's because of private of private capital and the flow. Yeah, of capital. exactly. Because private capital with two million people, it's not that big, right? Uh, here, it's the number like the numbers that are flowing around here are just different, like way, yep. way, way different, yep. uh, way bigger. And then and I would say that's a big thing why why big thing why alone it would be easier to start like. Uh, start up here and then get funding for it, right? Absolutely, but I would imagine that there's a lot of European capital as well, like France, oh, yeah. uh, Portugal, in the, in the Western regions at least, Yeah, yeah right? Yeah, yeah, Is there yeah. nothing flowing towards the, to the east? Um, or like very limited? It is limited, like we're still located, we're associated with Eastern part of Europe, right? And it, so there's a lot of stigma with the word Eastern Europe, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's been definitely decreasing in the past years, which is good, and then, and then, and then but, uh, I, it, I wouldn't say that uh, it's hard to do to open start a startup in Latvia, but I would say it is easier. So um, I'm interested in this. So, like in Canada, I mean, the government, yeah. both like federally, provincially, and the, and the cities, yeah. have all collaboratively understood that the innovation economy is, is is the future. Yeah, and there's a lot of investment. There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of support. Yeah. I mean, Justin Trudeau was a collision. I mean, yeah, right, yeah. the collision conference is here. Something's yeah. like happening, but. How is the climate in Europe? Is the European Union, like the government, like oh yeah yeah yeah, very definitely. supportive of the, of like development efforts? Oh, definitely, definitely. Like they're uh, they're putting a lot of money in different different researches, and 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 and, and, and so uh, our technical university, I would say, is also very competitive. Like uh, and uh, so they just opened up a new like a new building, a new campus, and also research facilities there, and and, and so like EU is always European Union is always pressing on these innovations, right? Uh, and then, and so that's a big thing. Like yeah. If if you're innovating, then you will it will be easier for you to attain funding. But uh, that's for more like research commercialization of research. Yeah, no, it's different inventions. Yeah, 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 yeah. inventions and then everything. But but uh, not necessarily like products like yourself. Like products, products like myself. Like I don't have enough knowledge to speak about it. But uh, I would imagine it would be a bit harder to do that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's it's interesting climate in Europe because um, each country is is doing differently. Yeah, it's yeah. part of the union, but yeah. which is supposed to be doing more widespread work. But yeah, um, it's funny a collision. I didn't realize how much capital was in Western Europe because we had a lot of we actually had a lot of. Uh, I talked to about two VC firms from France, mm-hmm. one from Spain, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, Britain always had. I mean, uh, yeah. United, United Kingdom always had. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So capital, but. Um, but the, the presence from France and Spain was super surprising. Yeah, yeah. Because right? you don't necessarily um, note those countries as innovators or yeah, yeah, where yeah. capital flows out of. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's interesting to see how the global economy is coming converging together. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's cool that Toronto's the hub of that. No, it's definitely that's. I was about to say, well, that's why they're here because they see the potential being here, and then and then so the innovation just that's happening here. Yeah. And uh, it's. Uh, I would say there's definitely because whenever you Google around like startups Toronto, there's going to be so many different smaller organizations or these hubs or whatever that are operating in the in and around the city, right? Yeah. Or just alone, how many uh, we were talking about these uh, co-working office spaces, right? There's so many of them in downtown Toronto here. So 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 many of them. But honestly, right? I, I so I did my honeymoon in uh, Europe, and one of the things I noticed, yeah. we went to, like, but four different um, countries, like multiple cities, or yeah. nine different cities. And the, 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 I mean, the amount of corporate spaces they have, like, all across the board, yeah. it puts us to shame. Yeah. Right? We have some corporate spaces, yeah. yes. We have, 
a lot of innovation uh, incubation hubs. I think in- incubation hubs and accelerators. Yeah. Like yeah. We're seeing more of that popping yeah. up here, 100%. Yeah. But when it comes to co-working spaces, okay, Europe, yeah. Europe really has uh, uh, like a, a double down on that. Yeah. Almost every corner has a co-working space. And one thing I like about the European ones is I think there's, I think there's four main um, co-working companies mm-hmm. across that have working stations all across Europe, mm-hmm. um, but it's cross-collaborative. So if you own membership in one, you yeah. have access to four yeah. in almost every member sta- uh, uh, city and um, country. Yeah. And I think that kind of coordination is pretty crucial. We are, we're still lacking that. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Because like, I don't know that Toronto has one like that. We have a core of stations, yeah. but they're independent. In the, they're, no, one they're, or two. They, they aren't like called. We'll have, yeah, we have yeah. WeWork. WeWork is a global one, but yeah. we have, I think, one main uh, WeWork downtown. Yeah. All right? But if you're part of WeWork, you work in any WeWork across the board. Yeah. But again, there's only one in, I think, uh, in Toronto. I think only one. And there's other smaller corking stations, but none of them are collaborating together. Yeah, yeah. Not like the ones in Europe are doing. Yeah. And what's interesting is, um, I mean, Collision is the world's biggest technology conference. Yeah. But it's run by a group uh, that runs Web Summit, and they're based out of Portugal. Yeah, yeah. Right? And um, what's the other one? Techstars. Yeah. So it's the third, I think the third or second largest um, acceler- group uh, accelerating yeah. accelerator yeah. in the world uh, for tech companies. It's out of Portugal as well. Right? Yeah. Um, so I'm interesting. No, actually, I didn't know that. That's interesting for me too now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a lot going on, but like I think uh, it's not as transparent as it's here. Yeah. Right. No, it might be because, like, for example, now you're telling me that the uh, the cohesion main organizers are from Portugal, essentially. Portugal, yeah. I I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if you went through the hub to get tickets for Collision. Yeah. But if you did, um, I mean, you sign up and they call you, and the guy's from Portugal. <laughs> Oh really? Right, and he lines up the time time slots according to Portugal time, right? Yeah. And it's been like that for a while. I mean, I went to uh, went to even the, um, the collision in uh, in Las Vegas in 2015. Okay. Same thing. I was super surprised. Yeah. Right. That I was talking to someone in Portugal. I'm like, That's interesting. I, and I'm talking, asking him, like, what's going on in Portugal? Yeah. Right. Well, he's based out of there. What's going on there? I think it's mostly the climate. You yeah. know what I mean? I think it's a benefit to that. Yeah. But um, yeah. No, no, that 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 might be true. But the thing is about here is like North America, Canada, and so Canada is a gateway to the states, right? And and, yeah. and so if you can prove yourself here, and you can always move down, down, down south to the states, which is even a bigger market, right? Yeah. And I think I think that's also an appeal right now to Toronto as a tech space, right? If yeah. I mean, I've been studying this trend a lot. Like, why Toronto? What's going on, right? Yeah. So one of the main re- one of the main factors. So this is this is cool. Some cool facts I found out. So Canada yeah. has, a per, on a per capita basis, 26% more innovators or entrepreneurs than yeah. the United States. Even though the United States is 10 times the population yeah. with, I think, 1,000 times the market, right, yeah. potential. Um, but a lot of the capital, I mean, like, everything from, like, what was it? Was it Advil or Tynal was invented here? Like, there yeah. are so many things that are invented here, yeah. right, um, that gets um, shipped out to the United States because the market's there, the capital is there, yeah. right, and the labor market is there, right? Yeah. Um, but the main, one of the main reasons, right, is, is uh, the, the ability to take risk, yeah. right? And that is because of our um, healthcare system, right? That's true. So, someone in Canada versus some uh, an entrepreneur who's like 27, 28 yeah. in, in Canada versus an entrepreneur the same age group in, in the U.S. Yeah. doesn't have to worry about hey, if I have a family, if I have, if I have, if I have kids on the way, if, um, yeah. that if I leave my job, I no longer have health insurance. Exactly. That's right. And true. that one fact and yeah. the accumulation of of like decades of having that has made us, even though we're a smaller market. Yeah. 26% per capita more entrepreneurs come out of Canada. Problem is, they've all been leaving. 
for the past like 50 years, uh-huh. right? They build something coming of value and uh-huh. leave the states to to commercialize it. Yeah. But uh, now it, the, it's, it's changed, especially with the Donald Trump era and the, the trade wars and yeah. what's going on. The United, the United States is becoming a little more closed loop, yeah. right? A lot of these companies are coming here to take advantage of the dollar value, right? Yeah. It's 70 cents on the dollar for the capital. Yeah, it's definitely cheaper here. It's cheaper here. You're taking 30 cent, 30% right there, yeah. right? Just on the conversion rate of the, of the U.S. dollar to, ca- yeah. to Canadian. Um, and also a lot of companies are coming out of Silicon Valley, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Because um, everyone that you talk to in the Valley talks about the, 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 um, the what do you call that? The, the, the thinking processes yeah. is all like the same, yeah. right, yeah. In, the, in the Valley. Because from the invention, from the, from the beginning of like Microsoft and the Valley, when the Valley started with, Silicon, uh-huh. uh, with the Silicon products, whenever someone made capital, uh-huh. right, they go off and start venture capital firms that uh-huh. invest in their buddies' funds. Yeah, yeah. Who then invested the companies that came out of their yeah. employees that come out of their 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 uh, companies, right? Yeah. And the innovation economy has grown from like a buddy system. Yeah, where it's yeah. Like, I know you. Yeah. Right, we work together. Yeah. I know how you think, how you operate, yeah. so we invest. And Silicon Valley has kind of blossomed into this, like into a into a into a into a place where uh, there's not a lot of diversity and very like mindedness. Yeah. So because of that, and because of the cap situation, they're yeah. all leaving. I think one third goes in Nashville. And in, uh, in, uh, in um, one third of companies who are leaving out yes. of Silicon Valley, the town goes to Nashville in um, Texas. Yeah. And one third come here to Toronto. No, but it's also very convenient because right now Canada has signed, for example, if you're manufacturing something, you some, something innovative, Canada has signed a trade agreement with the European Union, so it's way easier for export. Yeah, that was just recent, right? A few weeks ago? No, that's um, a few months ago. A year, I think. Like yeah, one year right now. One year, one year. Yeah, it's a free trade agreement. Yeah, it's yeah, not. Compl- it, there is like it's definitely more relaxed. Like uh, the, the 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 import taxes are relaxed and everything. I, it's funny. I just heard about that like uh, last week. Okay. I was talking to somebody from uh, government relations and like, yeah, we have a uh, almost a free trade agreement with Europe. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And so I would say that's also a big thing right now because if you want to trade with Europe, it's definitely cheaper to do it if you have you're established here. Yeah. So um, have you heard of this? Um, it's called the Tech Quarter, all right? So they've been trying mm-hmm. to build it since, they've been talking about it since 2013. Yeah. So it's been a coordinated, um, coordinated effort from government and private yeah. entities. They're trying to build... It's kind of like one the, on the Lakeshore, not the Lakeshore, but the port around the No, port no, no. So, so that is the Queen's Quay. Oh, Queen's That's Quay. Um, the Sidewalk Labs project okay. by Google. But So the Tech Quarter is kind of like the Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is just literally a valley yeah, of, yeah, yeah, of cities yeah. and, and tech companies located between yeah. the cities and, yeah. and towns, yeah. right? So just like that, from Kitchener, from Waterloo to Toronto, oh. they're trying to create a tech corridor. Okay. So the government has invested systematically from Kitchener, Guelph, right, to the Halton regions, yeah. to Toronto, to intensivize these companies who are moving in to come here. Okay. So that's why uh, you hear Toronto is like the AI capital of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But almost all these companies are rated right here, right, yeah. in the Halton region. So Halton has something called uh, Silicon Halton, yeah. right? which uh, is according to a group between the Halton regions yeah. of the cities here to produce AI talent and um, bring tech, tech, tech talent out. Uh-huh. But uh, it's, what's interesting is this whole region is developing into a tech hub, uh-huh. right? So it's not just Toronto. Toronto yeah. has a capital, yeah. right? Kitchener, Waterloo had always had the BlackBerry, Blackberry, the, the, right. yeah. the, the, the talent pool, and yeah. they're trying to coordinate that between. Now, what's also interesting is this is actually expanding because Detroit and Chicago is a similar tech, a tech hub. Yeah. Right. So there's a coordinated effort between Chicago and Detroit. Yeah. And there's a larger potential for this region right here, 
yeah. right, to become more coordinated as like a northeastern hub for everything tech. Yeah. Right. Tech, uh, capital, and finance. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. In the innovation economy, so. I'm really interested in seeing how that develops. No, that's very interesting. That's very interesting that you mentioned that because yeah, because I can see, for example, one of my friends, he's a PhD student in UFT, and like the, the the things that he's working in different battery technologies for cars is just uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting that uh, the school like is supporting right, and uh, the research that they're doing doing with the school right, and mm -hmm. so you can definitely see that, uh, and some of the companies that are, uh, they're like either supporting or whatever they're. Locally based, right? Yep. And then UFT also has right now uh, the uh, autonomous driving car. That they're uh, they just I think uh, won a competition not that long ago again between I think it was eight other North American universities. Yeah, which uh, team ran that? Do you know? <sighs> I won't remember right now. Uh, if you Google, is it a fully autonomous vehicle or? Uh, so yeah, essentially they're developing their own fully autonomous vehicle. Like GM is supporting that. They gave them Chevy Cruze, I think. Okay. All these eight, eight universities in the century build an build an autonomous vehicle as best as you can. And there's, I think UFT won in all the challenges except one. And Who's running the challenge? Because uh, I've uh, heard. I of think it's the, again the Society of Automotive Engineers. <laughs> Because they're a big one, because they run also us, they run UTAT, uh, like uh, Rocketry, okay. uh, where university has the team UTAT. Uh, essentially, they build a rocket. Wow. And uh, they have competition in the States, and, 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 and so it's also very interesting. Uh, so are you tied into all these competitions? Uh, are you interested in that, too? Mm, or? So or you hear about them? I just, I, I know about them. So the thing is about all those engineering clubs, they're under one group. So mm -hmm. you talk with each other. We know about each other. And, and, and yep. so, yeah, there is also the solar car. Um, also under So I would imagine, this is one of my first questions I asked you, right? Yeah. Like, why do you go into photography when you have such a background and passion for cars and there's such so much going on in the autonomous space and you already have the access to these, uh, these, these um, uh, talent pools? So... Uh, it's interesting, yeah. Uh, or is something that you want to, you want to partake in the future? Um, no, like uh, cars and racing and, and, and engineering has always been like an interest for me, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it, maybe I would have done uh, a different decision if I would have gone for engineering in university, because mm -hmm. uh, then I would have more of a technical background to achieve something like that. Yep. Or like doing that. In that sphere. Sorry, what what is your background? What are you what are you studying right now? Uh, so uh, oh, economics, right. political science, and anthropology. Nice. Yeah. So uh, and uh, sometimes I think about that, but then again, I think that from the other side, that maybe it's better that I'm studying this while I have all that background and like absolutely and knowledge in engineering, right? Yeah. And uh, like. No one says that, uh, for example, I never know what's going to happen with this photo community project, right? It might fail, it might succeed, but... Uh, yeah, that was my... Um, me, and, me and Gray actually talked about our confusion about this, because we heard about, you know, you built, you helped build a car and you raced it and you faced it off against 26 of, a, uh, of the universities, and I'm like, yo, that's such a cool space. Why are they leaving that for photography? Until I heard about your platform. Yeah. Like, okay, that's a monetizable platform, it, it makes sense. Yeah. It's a great system. But the space is so, um, the engineering side of, of, of cars, autonomous vehicles, there's so much going on there. I'm pretty sure you can find a fit there. Uh, yeah. If you wanted to. If I wanted to, yeah. I, w I would say I could try and find something, but uh, as I see it right now, it's, it's very hard to predict right now what's going to happen with, for example, the automotive sector. 
because uh, yeah, everyone's investing in the battery technology. I think Germany is banning from 2025 or 22 all sales of new uh, combustion cars. Yeah. Uh, or is that just Germany? I, I think it was just Germany. I, I like. Don't take my word for it. Yeah, I was under the impression it was Europe as a whole. No, 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 I don't, I don't no? think so. Yeah, but uh, like it's it's definitely moving in a very interesting pace and everything. But then again, you never know. Like right now, still the limiting factor is the battery technology. And you know, I mean, the the main thing is lithium, right? Yeah. How, how, how it's lithium-based batteries are, and lithium is so uh, rare and resourced. No, not not even that. It was just limiting to the how much power it can hold, right? Yep. And and so all that, but. I don't. I, I'm. I'm not certain about myself that I know enough, like to, to jump in that sphere. Uh, yes, I do know. Like most of my friends from university right now are engineers, and and and, and, and so from uh, also from the racing team, right? Yeah. Uh, so all well, are, I mean, Mitt, who just came on before you, yeah, right. Um, he's a CFO. He's an accountant, and yeah. now he works for a self-driving startup, right? So he leverages his accounting abilities, yeah, um, into the self-driving vehicle, but into the, into the startup. But because of the startup, he wears multiple hats. Now he's running sales, running HR, running mm-hmm. all, all the different things. And he can explain the product better than the lead engineers mm-hmm. right, most of the time mm-hmm. because he's a non-technical person. Yeah. And I feel like there's still that mirroring of, um, of skills that's required. Yeah. Right? I mean, no. technical people are not the best communicators, 100%. <laughs> yeah. No, it d- definitely depends from case. Uh, but uh, no, I, under- I understand what you're saying. It, I understand like I remember when I was talking to Gray and he saw the picture and was like, wait, 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 explain this. And then I told him about that uh, technical and racing background in UFT racing team. He's like, why the hell are you doing this photo project? And I yeah. said, oh, why not? Yeah, I mean, I, like I've, ever since I heard your story, I've been talking about you to almost every single person I've met. Because <laughs> I'm like, yo, there's this guy here. There's this guy who's like racing cars and building cars in university. And I didn't even know it was a thing. Yeah. Right? And everyone's shocked. And like, I talk more about that. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, by the way, he's working at photography. right? And uh, like almost every person, I'm like, yo, like if they ask about the hub, yeah. One of the first person to talk about is you, yeah. because it's such an interesting story. No. Like everyone just like, oh shit, yeah. this guy, this guy drives and he built a car, yeah. and now as a photography company, it's like, wait, what's that loop? Yeah. Right? How did I end up there? No, so maybe you can all put together. I think I, that's how I also started uh, my uh, my my presentation and for the pitch competition yeah, yeah. was, uh, yeah, I come from racing background and like or racing and. In racing, you need to look for these right angles, right opportunities. And photography, in a way, is the same thing, right? Nice. You just need Good way of positioning it. Exactly. And uh, I do like taking pictures. And, I, and the thing is, I like, do like going to races and taking pictures of the races, too. And, and, and so it's, it's still, it, it kind of, in my mind, it ties together. I understand why it doesn't really tie together. But uh, for me, it was uh, this idea right now. I see a potential in it. I see potential in it monetizing, I see potential in it like growing in something bigger. Uh, and that's why I'm working on it. And then if I would have a different idea about like an automotive or engineering or whatever, I would definitely do that. And I, maybe I would be better off in a way that I would know more people in that sphere or they could help me better in like diff, diff, uh, with different uh, suggestions. Uh, but then again, like I ended up here and I'm not saying I regret it or I'm not saying I'm doing worse in it. And, and, and so it's definitely interesting. I, I definitely understand the confusion that people yeah. have. <laughs> but uh, as I said, like, like I'm not saying this is the last thing I'm going to do, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, um, let's wrap up on that. Um, what is next? Like, what, do, you, do you have any other visions? Do you have any other ambitions that you want to do next? Like, so my long-term... You're going to be graduating soon, right? So, yeah. My long-term ambition is to, at the end of the day, I can some years go back home and do something there in Latvia. Um, I'll build up the region, like you said. No, yeah, like build up, do, do something in a bigger scale or whatever that would be, and like, uh, can't tell you what it is right now. Okay. Uh, but uh, my goal is still to motivate to go back and then, and then like give back my knowledge in whatever way I can. Yeah. Um, but uh, right now, right now the the next thing is just like snapping. That's 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 my next thing, and then and so right now all my future plans are kind of tied to that. Yeah, definitely. And then and then. And then Still looking for some rate driving opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always looking for that. And awesome, then, buddy. Yeah. So we'll definitely keep, uh, keep in touch about uh, all that. Yeah. Um, any way I can help out, um, we're always here. Yeah. Right. Thank you. But, no, uh, thank you for having me here. Of course, man. Yeah. Right. Thanks for coming on. Right? Awesome. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. <laughs>